I was named Mariana after my mother, though everyone called me Anna and her men. When she was pregnant with me in the heat of the summer of 1924, she traveled from her home with my father in Princeton to her mother's farmhouse in Merritt and waited, full-bellied with heavy breasts, for me to be born. Grandma Petrie's house sat on the land that bordered the ravine far out of town. In some spots, her property overlapped the Shuluce Indian Reserve, touching tentatively like new lovers. This was something the people in town were shocked about. In a valley divided into geographic grids, crossing these boundaries was unheard of. She didn't mind. She insisted the land was richer there, more fertile for her gardens, and besides, she'd gotten it for a song. When I first heard this declaration, I had imagined her standing before Bill Bislow, her mouth opened wide to release music from within her throat. I thought she would have worn a good dress, the blue one she wore to church on Sundays, and my mother's lipstick. There, I imagined my Aunt Nell walking with Min through the fields and swimming with her in the ravine at the edge of their property. Min would have been happiest there, light and buoyant in the cool water, her feet occasionally scraping the slick, algaed bottom. She could almost forget me, until she reached down for the tail of a trout swimming by, languid and silver under the water's light, and felt the swell of her stomach, my feet pressing against her skin as I swam, too. She wouldn't sleep in the house, despite my grandmother and Nell's urging. She preferred the cot spread out on the front porch. She said from there she could hear the fish breathe. Once I was born, my father, Anton, came on the next train for his scheduled two days off. He worked as a supervisor in the mine in Princeton. This is my first memory of him. The scent of coal clinging to him, the black streak that his hand left upon my skin. I imagine Min passed me to Anton, thankful for the chance to rest her arms, stretch her tightened back. She would have walked, slowly and shuffling, to the window and stared out to the ravine while he cooed to me. Anton wanted us to return to Princeton with him, to bundle us tightly into the tiny three-room house he had built for us, crooked porch and all. He had painted it yellow for Min, her favorite color, hoping to disguise the size and slant of it. He wanted us waiting in the rocking chair when he came up the hill from the mine. I can't, Min said as she held me against her neck. She always smelled of lilac water and talc, and her crimson-painted lips must have left an imprint on my forehead when they briefly rested there. It's too soon. Anton never asked too soon for what. He rarely asked Min anything. Instead, he folded up his clothes and packed them back into his canvas sack. Min walked with him to the train depot. We stayed at Grandma Petrie's for almost two months. Min shuffled me from her own hands to Nell's to my grandmother's. Some nights I would cry, and I imagine I would have felt Nell's hands, warm and smooth from the cocoa butter she used each night, her long finger stroking my soft spot, turning me as I slept, so that I would have a pretty head. I don't know where Min was those nights, but I think of her slipping into the ravine, the shock of the cold water turning her to goose flesh until she sank into it, her eyes squeezed shut 